You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I'm your host, Kathy Biasse, and I am a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. Trauma affects everyone differently, and how we react to trauma impacts our recovery. On today's show, we are discussing a groundbreaking approach to not only healing from trauma, but experiencing growth from it. And our guest is Dr. Edith Shiro, author of the new book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma. Dr. Shiro is a clinical psychologist in private practice in Miami, Florida. She specializes in trauma and post-traumatic growth, holding space and guiding her patients to achieve greater potential and higher consciousness. Dr. Shiro is co-founder of the Trauma and Resilience Center, board member of the World Happiness Foundation, and an active member of Cadenia International, providing humanitarian aid and disaster prevention worldwide. She has worked at the Clinic for Survivors of Torture at Bellevue Hospital, the Cambodian Refugee Clinic at Montfiore Medical Center, and the Human Rights Clinical Support Network at Refuge, among others. She continues to offer workshops in trauma-based therapy for mental health professionals since 9-11. She is a frequent guest on various TV shows, podcasts, and radio programs, and we are very lucky to have her with us today. We talk about post-traumatic growth, how growth and transformation can emerge from unspeakable tragedy, and how our everyday choices affect our mental health and our reaction to trauma and suffering. This is a wonderful show, everyone. I hope you stay with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk with Dr. Shiro. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back to the program. Uh, our show today has been pre-recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. And if you ever have follow-up questions, if you need to contact any of our guests, this is where you hit us and we can point you in the right direction. Dr. Shiro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. I'm so happy to be here with you and with your audience. Oh, I'm so happy to have made your acquaintance. Uh, what you are doing is phenomenal. Your book is amazing. And uh, it just it, it cuts across so many different types of people because trauma 
in some way, shape or form affects us all. Um, but before we get into that, how how did you come to be an expert in this space? One one such that led you to write such a fantastic book. Thank you so much for saying that. It really means a lot to me. It's my first book. And really what has happened is that I have always been uh, passionate about the human condition and the human existence. And as a clinical psychologist, the topic of trauma, but more than trauma, really the topic of transformation and post-traumatic growth, like what happens after somebody uh, experiences a difficult situation or a challenge or a loss or something that shakes their lives. Like, what do people do with that? And since I was very little, really, I was surrounded either come because I come from a family of Holocaust survivors, refugees. I also grew up in a community of immigrants and refugees. And I've always seen this around me. Like, some people, what, what's the difference that makes some people do really well and thrive and transform and other people stay stuck and develop PTSD and other kinds of uh, symptoms? And really, I always want to know, okay, what's the difference? What really, how, how, how does that happen? How people really deal with um, their everyday lives? Because even their big traumas, but also everyday traumas, like how do people deal with that? And what's the, what makes the difference to have a better life, to have a healthier life, to develop your potential? So my curiosity has led me to ask this question around, to treat my patients in many different ways. Uh, and then, you know, lately to really share my experiences, personal and professional, really, for 25 years in this book. So I'm very, very grateful that I had the chance to do it. When we talk about trauma, are we talking about those life shattering events that happen in life? Are we talking about a buildup of everyday small traumas? Is it the same thing? What's the difference? Like who, who does this book resonate with? Yeah. So trauma uh, means a wound, right? And this is a psychological and emotional wound. And it means that um, people can experience life shattering events in which the way you understand yourself others and the world is completely shattered and you have to rebuild your life from scratch for others is experiences that are more chronic or that are more subtle or that are more in, in, in the in the realm of relationships that are can be very traumatic but doesn't they don't have the impact of a big trauma in terms of identifying it but for example having a mother that is not emotionally available is extremely traumatic, but it doesn't look like a trauma. It's harder to identify. Having microaggressions in, in like a racist or discriminatory behavior in our society, that's traumatic, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, being bullied in school or being rejected by your friends, uh, not, not having a sense of, uh, isolation you know these are all traumas and not not all of them are um identified like uh you are a victim of war or a victim of sexual abuse you know it's like so it really depends how you want to define it one of the things that i say in the book is that trauma is um a subjective experience in the sense that you are the only one that can determine what is traumatic for you you know, nobody else can tell you, no, you're not traumatized or yes, you should be traumatized. You know, it's what, how you experience it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that trauma is relational. 
it's in relation to others is whatever happens to you how the people around you supported you listen to you acknowledge it that's what makes it more traumatic than than not when you're working with your patients are you trying to get to the root of trauma does that make any difference or in your experience and what you're sharing in your book is the idea to acknowledge trauma and move on from it? No, I love that question because, um, you know, there's that from there comes all the different approaches of psychotherapy, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have psychoanalysis in which it's all about your relationship with your mother and your father, right? And in your childhood events, and then you have cognitive behavioral in which is like, you know, forget about everything that has happened to you. Let's just focus on your behavior uh, and everything in between, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's not I don't think it's one extreme or the other. Uh, from my approach, I think and I think in general, really, we all go through traumas. Some of some are bigger than others. Some are more earlier than others than other traumas. Uh, and the idea is to acknowledge and validate them because most of the time, the root of our suffering and the root of our addictions and the root of our being stuck comes from traumatic experiences. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay in that narrative. What it means is that once you validate and acknowledge the most important thing is to actually to move on. And move on means to process it. So uh, it's like that Buddha is saying that the only way, the only way to the other side is through. You know, you cannot just jump to the other side, the under, you know, to the other side without going through the process. And that's really what I'm trying to, um, one of the messages that I'm trying to say in the book is that, Yes, it's important to know what happened to you, but it's also important to have the courage to sit with it, to give it a name, to identify it, to to make it part of your life in a way that allows you to transform it, to change a narrative, to rewrite your story. Because uh, otherwise, it's always going to have, it's, gonna, it's always going to be a resistance. There's always going to be a defensive response to that. There's always going to be a trauma response to whatever happens to you. And that can last for your whole life. I don't know if I'm responding to, to the question. No, absolutely. You know, there, you see people have the, you don't see people all the time, but one person can have one trauma, another person's trauma, extremely similar. Um and the reaction is completely different. Yes. Is there, yeah, I'd like to ask this question because you know, someone who's an expert like you may have done research into this area. Is there a genetic component to how we deal with traumatic events? God, I love your questions. This is such good to the point because there's a <laughs> chapter in my book. Yeah, yeah. And you know, not many people ask this. There's a chapter in my book that it's called Floating Factors. And my my research during all, all these years has been about looking, I mean, some of the research, looking at what are the precise factors that make a difference. And I mean, like anything else about humans in life, it's not just 
something that is predetermined or is one variable, right? It's not like, oh, well, if you've experienced trauma as a woman or as a man or as a rich person or as a poor person, or, you know, if you're from this culture or not that other culture, it makes a difference. No, it depends. It depends. But all these variables make a difference. You know, uh, the culture where you come from, the family support that you have, the age and in which you uh, experience trauma. Is it acute? Is it a one time or is it chronic? Has it happened over time, over and over? Um, what are your genetic components that, that you have that make you have a tendency towards mm-hmm. depression or anxiety or psychosis or neuroticism? All of that makes a big difference. And all of that are factors that are going to inform the experience of trauma and also the experience of healing. So there are cultures, for example, in which recognizing, uh, let's say, for example, sexual abuse for women, it's not even part of the conversation. You know, we know that there are countries and cultures in which that, that there's not even recognition for that. There are other cultures, you know, like here in the United States where you have more freedom to talk about it when you can go to therapy for that, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes a difference. There's, we also, and, and like that, many other variables. But we also know that there's, from the genetic perspective to, to, uh, to respond to exactly what you were, to, that you were asking about genetics, we now know there's something called epigenetics, and uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, mm-hmm. in which the it, it's not only the information that we carry in our genes that that determines our behavior, our decision making, our experiences, our personality, and our habits, but also the very experiences that we have in our everyday life can modify the expression of those genes, right? That's what epigenetics is. And depending on the circumstances where you are, when the trauma occurs, right, or how you are experiencing your life in the moment, that genetic information can change. And that, and I say that with a lot of hope, and I say that with a lot of positive, uh, you know, with a positive twist because instead of thinking that trauma it predetermines our life and it's, our, it's like a life sentence to be depressed or to have post-traumatic stress disorder for the rest of your life, we actually have the power and the capacity to change not only how we want to handle our trauma and how we, the attitude that we, which we, we confront the trauma, but also the genetic information, right, that we carry and how we want to, in some way, acknowledge and modify that to to our benefit and to our transformation. So it really, you see how many variables I'm, I'm uh-huh. mentioning that are that are all part of of handling trauma. Gabor Mate, who's like one of the a really well known psychiatrist these days, is in fashion these days. Uh, he was he he always says that trauma is not what happens to you, but it's what happens to you inside of when what happens to you, meaning like it's not the event itself, it's how you interpret the event, how you live that event, like how much support you had in that moment. So a child that has gone through a loss, for example, if he has uh, adults around them that are accompanying that child and allowing that child to express their feelings and letting that child process that information and facilitate a healing um, moment is going to leave that trauma very different than a child that 
doesn't have anybody to listen to them, that it becomes very isolated with that experience that gets disconnected from the world because of it, that has no reliable adults around. Like, And it, it can be the same event, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, on the back then of the epigenetics and the, the many, the myriad of factors behind how trauma impacts an individual, then can we say with a degree of certainty that everyday choices affect our reaction to trauma? How we choose to deal with life on a daily basis can either set the stage for a more, not positive, but for a, a better outcome of trauma versus someone who is impacted negatively a lot more. Uh, I'm going to say yes and no, because on the one hand, yes, the choices that we make every day and the attitude that we have every day speaks to uh, stronger resilience, right? So people that are more resilient, that develop tools to to uh, um, confront difficult situations that are, are more able to deal with, with uh, difficulties in life or with challenges in life, of course, they're going to do better. On the other hand, people that don't have those tools and are not that resilient. And I know I'm going to say something a little controversial about resiliency, and I love that because it allows people to think a little bit further in terms of resilience. Not everybody has those tools and not everybody uh, develops or has the capacity or has the privilege of having developed tools and resources to deal with difficulty. But sometimes breaking and touching rock bottom and going to the darkest place in your life is precisely what allows you to say, I have no choice but to move forward from this and to grow from this. And those are the people sometimes that become stronger. And that's one of the points that I make in my book is that precisely that breaking, that shattering, that place where you have nothing else, right, to lose is where you become that huge quantum leap of transformation. And that's what gives you sometimes the wisdom and the knowledge and the ability to then be stronger in life. In fact, one of the things that happens because of post-traumatic growth is that people become stronger, they have a stronger sense of self, they become more confident in their lives, they are they they understand better their priorities. Sorry for the noise. Uh, they they are they're more clear in what's meaningful to them, what's the, you know their purpose in life. So it, it's a tricky thing, you know. People that are very resilient and have so many tools and they're very strong do well in life, but they might not get to this transformation. Well, I mean, some people don't have the resiliency tested. Uh, until there's a traumatic event, right? So how do you, you know, many of us don't know how resilient we are uh, unless we've been through a trauma. Is that? Absolutely. Yes, exactly. And and going through that trauma allows you to develop that resilience. If you didn't have it, that's exactly what happens. That's what I, that's what I think that that's where we have the choice. That's the part where we say, okay, we can either succumb to this situation right and get be destroyed and stay there or we can decide to take this as an opportunity to develop this resilience and to develop a stronger sense of self and yes we don't know it until we go through it i agree with you yes and there's no preparing for that trauma for a lot of us uh those of us who have had uh, a trauma in our lives 
that yeah, you know, there are certain life experiences that are af- expected, correct? Yes, um, yes. And although they can be traumatic and emotional, they don't hit like other um, traumas. And so for a lot of us who have had a trauma, an illness, uh, a very sudden death, a, a bad relationship, um, it's in the moment that we find out how resilient we are. And, it, you know, you wonder if if you can have tools built up ahead of time or it's just a knee-jerk reaction to the trauma in that moment? I think uh, for some for some people, it's a knee-jerk reaction in the moment and say, okay, this is, I find myself uh, with powerless and hopeless and uh, helpless. And that's where people develop their stronger uh, capacities to survive. But also, uh, I think we can prepare. We can, I don't know if the word is prepare, Kathy, but... I think having more awareness and consciousness about ourselves and working on ourselves every day on Mm -hmm. developing our connection with ourselves and with others, I think that's what makes a difference. And sometimes we have to be shaken to, to get that awareness. And for some people really, you know, having like a shocking experience or having a very, very difficult experience is what allows them to become more open or more conscious or more aware and for some mothers and I hope I hope it can be the truth for most of us that we don't need to go through a traumatic event in order to become more conscious and more aware and and become more connected with ourselves and mm-hmm. with others in order to really you know handle our everyday situations and our bigger situations as well. It is a constant working on ourselves every day and just small little steps, I think, that, yeah. you know, can help lay the foundation to a reaction to try. Before I get on to my next question, I think we should take a break here because uh, we'll really push this half if I if I get into my next question. Everybody, we're just going to okay. take a quick break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes here. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back to the program. We are talking with Dr. Edith Shiro. And uh, can you say your name for me? I, I know I'm not saying it properly. No, you are. You are. It's Edith Shiro. Perfect. Oh, close. <laughs> I was That was good. Excellent. Um, I imagine, and actually, you know, I, I can't say that this is a, a novel question of mine because I did some research on you ahead of time. Um, and I, I know that this topic of growth post-trauma or, um, you know, the unexpected gift of trauma, which is the name of your book, might have made some people wince a little bit. What is yeah. this? Unex- yeah. How, do, how did you yeah. approach this? And, and why did you want to, you know, wave the waters uh, with this title? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm smiling, even though you don't see me, because <laughs> I, I love, yes, a lot of people say, me, how can you put trauma and gift in the same sentence? How can you do that? And I say, because I've seen it every day in my office. I've seen it over and over in the collective traumas that are communities that I've worked with. I've seen that transformation happen. And it's, I know it's a contradiction 
to think that from something so painful, from an illness, from a from a war, from a loss, from a death, something good can come out of it. And I, and I tell you, I'm very careful when to say it because when you are in the midst of the crisis, when you're dealing with the with the, the depression or the sadness or the shock of what happens saying something like that to the person that has not even begun to acknowledge what happens can be very delicate right mm -hmm. you can say oh don't worry don't worry that you have this chronic illness and don't worry because you're gonna get something wonderful out of it no i i mean no i'm not gonna say that at that moment but slowly as the person gets their support as the person becomes to process what's really going on as the person mm -hmm. develops the tools knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel Kathy, I think makes a huge difference. And my book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, I wanted to give it as a as a as an opportunity of hope, as a, you know, as a message of hope to say, yes, there's something wonderful that is awaiting for you on the other side. If you only trust this process, I can tell you that people have been transformed over and over from something difficult that has happened to them for something traumatic or challenging. And even though you don't see it now, even though it's very difficult even to imagine that this is something that can happen, I can tell you that that's the case, not once, but many times. And that's why I give a framework, a five-stage framework, and like an understanding, like there's a roadmap to this, and there's like a, a pathway to get there, you know? Well, you know, and I can't, the word process sometimes get over gets overused but when you're dealing with a trauma it is a process and i can say this personally it's a process and i don't think i don't think personally you can prioritize or say one trauma is worse than another it's your trauma it's your it's it's like it's your disease it's your um you know, your loss. And you can't prioritize one trauma is worse than the other. But what you can say, I think, um, listening to you and going through a, a trauma of my own when I got my diagnosis of breast cancer, it is a process. And there's a, that space that you need to um, go through things. You know, and I think sometimes we're very hard on ourselves when we're trying to deal with trauma. And I think it would be really beneficial if, you know, we don't have to go into each stage in depth because that's what the book is for. But if you could walk us through the five stages on a very, you know, high level, I think that would be great. <clears throat> yes. And Kathy, you know, thank you so much for saying what you said, because yes, I, I always tell people and, and you know, from experience that, you know, overcoming trauma is not from, from one day to another. And it's not like pushing a button. It really takes time. No. It takes time. It takes effort, right? And reevaluating and rethinking and, you know, and exactly. trying to find so, some, some growth, like you said, I mean, your, your, your book is titled that, but I think for people that are either going through a trauma or reacting from a trauma, you need to give yourself space and you need to be able to give yourself, um, a break, you know, absolutely, a break. absolutely, absolutely. So that's why the first stage is five stages. The first, the first stage, and it's more like a description of what already happens to the period. You know, these are not stages that I've invented. These are stages that I've observed over mm -hmm. and over and over. So tell me if this resonates with you, Kathy. The first stage is the stage of um, 
awareness. It's like you have your radical acceptance. Yes, okay, I have breast cancer. You know, it takes a while because mm -hmm. after the shock and after the denial and after the avoiding and after all the trauma responses that we all do, right, you finally can get to a place to say, I radically accept that this is what I have. Mm -hmm. And that, that sets the motion of this process and say, okay, because I'm radically accepting that this is what I have, there's a validation and acknowledgement and recognition that these are my symptoms. This is what's happening to me. It has a name. Am I identifying it? I know this is happening and I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going to keep having my addictive behavior that keeps, you know, keep this away. I'm just going to embrace it. And then that takes you to the second stage, which is the stage of safety and protection, the stage of awakening. It's like, not only that I know what's happening to me, but I'm ready to ask for help. I'm ready to, to reach out, to get to a place, a safe space where I can talk about it, where I can do something with it, where I can share, when I can be seen in what I'm going through, right? So it's not just with you with yourself, but it's you in relationship to others. And then you get to the third stage, which is stage of new narratives, This is a stage of um, becoming. So it's like you, you begin to develop new um, narratives. You begin to see things in a different way. You begin to become curious to say, okay, what other ways there are of living my life? So I don't know if this happened to you, Kathy, but it's like the way you eat is different. The way you have relationships is different. The way you see life is different. You're you begin to uh, to take into account uh, different philosophies. This is where people become very curious about other ways of being. They start believing in different things. They go away. They try new things. You, you really develop a new narrative of your life and of your new belief system of, your, of yourself, of others. Then you get to the fourth stage of integration in which you not only acknowledge yourself, but you also acknowledge, you know, all where you come from because you are who you are uh, together with the trauma also it's not just like denying it but together with it and then the and then the fifth stage which is my of course my favorite which is a stage of wisdom and growth this is where you really get to a place of transformation you say i'm clearer with my priorities i'm stronger i have a stronger sense of who i am i um have a more meaningful life uh, not only that kathy but i think I mean, you're a perfect example of this. It's what you're all you're learning and your wisdom and your understanding, your growth. You also share it with others. You know, this is where people become very clear in their life purpose and what they do and who they are and how they want to live their lives and give it back to the community. So this is, you know, these are five stages. And I would love to, you know, for you guys to see it in the book and read it in depth and see their exercises with each stage and things that you can identify with. And where, where are you in, in, in the stages? You know, some people call me and say, oh, I'm in stage two or I'm between two and three. And it's like a good thing to know where you're heading. Also, you know, this is this is where it's taking you and this is where you're heading. Well, and well, that leads me to a, another question that I had. Who is your book for? So my book is for, first of all, it's for every single person in this planet. <laughs> I want everybody to, for the whole humanity to have this book. Uh, it's, it's really geared towards people that not only the people that are going through trauma, that can identify these five stages in themselves <clears throat> and have a roadmap to know what's going on with them. 
but also for people that are caretakers and that mm. can give hope to those who are going through trauma. The, the ones that are there, the family members, the friends that are saying, okay, I'm here with you and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm facilitating this process for you. And I'm going to hold this hope for you as well. And of course, it's also for people that are in the, in the helping profession, right? For all those professionals, mental health, uh, psychologists, doctors, uh, caretakers that might not consider post-traumatic growth as a possibility. And I want people to know, yes, this is a true possibility when you see patients, when you work with people to let them know that they can look forward to this that they can look forward to the possibility of post-traumatic growth. That it's not just staying in that place of like, yes, I'm going through a trauma and this is where I am. Yes, I have a diagnosis and this that's all there is. But to know that there's something else, there's a lot more. And that if you're willing to go through that process, you you can, you know, can you can get transformed on the other side. So you as a therapist, uh, and, and if we're talking about, you know, Somebody reads this book who's a professional uh, in this space, and they love how you have laid out post-traumatic growth. Does that affect how you work with people in the process of a trauma? What do you mean? It affects in what way? So what if, you if, if you, you know, obviously you are trying to work people through a trauma and trying to see them have growth from the trauma. But mm-hmm. if someone is going through a trauma, is this a different part of your therapy or mm-hmm. are you guided by these five principles and this you're showing people how they can grow versus dealing with the trauma? Because this would really set the stage for a different way to practice um, yeah. healing yeah, from trauma. But, yeah. And you know, because I believe that most things that I see, most symptoms that I see in my practice, and I think most decisions and behaviors that we have in our everyday life are informed by uh, some traumatic, traumatic event uh, and that are informed by traumatic responses that we have. And I'm not saying that everybody has to go through some, you know, through a, a breast cancer diagnosis or through a you know, uh, sexual abuse behavior or through war. I'm not saying that everybody experiences that. Oh, Dr. Shira, we seem to be losing you. Um, We all have our our weaknesses and that's what informs our defenses, right? We develop, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you yeah, I can hear you now. From our weaknesses we... and our and our vulnerabilities, we develop our our traumatic. Okay, okay. Can you hear me now? Sorry about that. That's okay. You know, I can hear you now. Can yeah, you, you kind yes. of faded before. Okay, okay. sorry. Uh, from our, uh, I'm going to say this again. From the our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses, we develop these trauma responses, right? Mm-hmm. We develop defenses. We develop our ways of coping. Our coping mechanisms. So every time somebody comes to therapy or somebody friend because they're not comfortable with their lives, because there's something that is bothering them, right? Because that's when people begin to say, huh, I need to change something because I'm not 100% comfortable. Because mm-hmm. if you're comfortable in your life, even with your 
behaviors that are not 100% healthy, you're not going to go to change. You're not going to go to therapy. You're not going to go to do something different in your life. So when you're com- uncomfortable enough and when you're suffering enough that you are willing to change something, this is where you, you have the opportunity to look at to what were those experiences that, that triggered the, 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 the way that you're defending yourself, right? Uh-huh. So some people have some, you know, some people like to become more obsessive. Some people become more um, anxious. Some people become more depressed. Some people become more addicted. You know, we all have, you know, behaviors that some of them can be extreme and some are not. But that's what I'm saying is like, even when you're not coming to deal with a trauma, a specific trauma, looking at to those root causes and, and validating them and acknowledging that and identifying that can be, I, I think it's, it's necessary no matter what, because uh, that's really what guides you then into making decisions in your life and into, instead of being reactive, then you're more able to regulate your emotions Mm-hmm. And take a pause and decide how you're going to respond to whatever is coming to you. You see what I'm saying? So even when you're not working with huge traumatic events, the fact that you can acknowledge where your weaknesses and vulnerabilities coming from and how aware you are of yourself, it allows you to regulate your responses. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, these five principles or these five stages or these stages, you know, are part of the treatment no matter what. And Got I think it. it's important to do it in every, in, every, in every occasion because sometimes just treating the symptoms or just saying, okay, yes, well, let me give you medication for this or let me, you know, treat whatever behavior you're having right now, but you're not really dealing with the real thing. It's not going to last. Hmm. A holistic approach to trauma. I like it. Yes. I like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when was your book published? So uh, last month. Mm, it's, a new it's, yes, a new yes, yes. <laughs> it's a new baby. It's a new baby. Well, it's it's an awesome book. It's an awesome achievement. Where is it? About, most of our, a lot of our listeners are in Canada. Um, where can we Perfect. get the book? Perfect. Because it's being sold in Amazon. It's being sold in different uh, bookstores. I don't know if there's Barnes and Nobles in a, in in Canada, but there's a, the book is not only on uh, on the websites, but also on Audible, in Kindle. Uh, um, really, it's it's impossible not to get it. You can find <laughs> it anywhere. Yeah, no, really, it's very easy to get it. Even if you don't want to get it physically, you just you want to get it in audio form it's it's available as well and uh, i think the bookstores in canada sell it i, I don't know if just uh, barnes and Noble, but there's all kinds of more independent bookstores that sell it as well and if you request it they, they send it to you and if they don't send it to you please call me i'll send it to you okay so <laughs> I, okay so what how can people get a hold of you if we have trouble so yes yeah, so my instagram which is where i'm very present is dr edith shiro dr dot edith Shiro, my website, which has a link to the book, www.dredithshiro.com. And uh, if not, Kathy knows where to find me and just ask her. And uh, really, you know, I would love to hear, you know, what resonates with you. 
uh, what you think about the book, put a review on, on, on the Amazon when you get it in Amazon. Like all these things are, are helpful to really continue the conversation on how we integrate trauma into our lives and how we become really more conscious human beings that we needed so much in this society, you know? We really do. And it just doesn't make sense to spend a life trying to avoid trauma. It's going to hit you one way or the other. I congratulate you. This is wonderful. Uh, You know, everybody knows when I have an author on, um, I'm just, I'm amazed at the, the ability to sit down and write a book. So congratulations. It's being received extremely well. And I really want to thank you for taking time out of your really busy schedule to join us. I think our listeners will really benefit from the show. Kathy, thank you so much for what you're doing and also for being such a beautiful example of post-traumatic growth. And I want to make sure I say this because you've transformed from the little that I that I hear from you and I can't wait to hear more. The the you've transformed your trauma and your, you know, all these challenges into beautiful things, not just for yourself, but also for others to benefit from from all this wisdom. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. (laughs) Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.